Welcome to Stemming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha, a podcast for and about women of color in STEM. These women are brave, beautiful, and brilliant. Their stories deserve and need to be heard. Their voice strong, their message clear, their experiences priceless. Now let's welcome this wonderful winning woman of color to the show. Hello, and welcome to Stimming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha. The main focus of the show is to highlight and showcase the stories of minority women in STEM. It is my belief that if we want to encourage minority girls to pursue STEM careers, they should first hear and learn from those who have lived those stories. It is my job to provide a safe environment for them to do so. So let's welcome this beautiful and vivacious woman in STEM to our show. Our guest today is Brittany Rhodes. She is the founder of Black Girl Mathjic BGM. It's a movement dedicated to increasing math confidence, awareness, enthusiasm, identity, fluency, and persistence in children with a focus on girls and black children. BGM's flagship product is the Black Girl Mathjic box, which is the first and only subscription box designed to increase math confidence and decrease math anxiety in girls on a third through eighth grade math level. Brittany received her Bachelor of Science in Mathematics from Spelman College and her MBA in Marketing Communication and Organizational Behavior from the Tepper School of Business at Carnegie Mellon University. Brittany is a proud native of Detroit, where she lives with her husband, Oscar. I can't wait to get into this conversation. Let's welcome Brittany to the show. Okay, so... Welcome to my audience of Stimming in Stilettos. I am really happy and glad to be on today. Our guest today, Brittany Rhodes, um, is going to tell us all about herself and her company and all of the magic that she's doing. Um, (laughs) Hi, Brittany. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? I'm I'm good today. it's, (laughs) It's a good day. It's a good day in the neighborhood. Good. Um, so, as as we do on Stimming in Stilettos, uh, the first question we always ask, or the first thing we ask every guest to do, is to tell us your STEM story. Absolutely. So, my STEM story is actually my life story because I have loved math since I was a child, since as far back as I can remember anything, like having a memory in general, I have loved math. And funny enough, when I was in high school, um, I was picked to take two math classes in one year um, because I was demonstrating such high aptitude in math. So my algebra teacher, uh, my algebra one teacher selected me to take geometry and algebra two the following year where typically you would only just take algebra. So or algebra, you would only just take geometry. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having five math classes in four years. And my mother, who is a retired principal, around that time, she suggested to me that I major in math in college. And 
I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember saying to her, who would do that? Like, who would go to college and major in like math? That's all they would be doing is math. And so when I got to college, I went to Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia. I started out as a dual degree engineering major. So I wanted to do computer science. And then I was going, so I was going to do computer science at Spelman. And then I was going to go to Georgia Tech and do computer engineering and have two degrees. But when I got into computer science, coding was not sexy like it is now. I'm a little older and I was not at all excited about it. So my sophomore year, I called my mother and I said, mom, I'm changing my major to math. So for anyone listening, mom always knows best. (laughs) (laughs) She gets such a kick out of that. So Around that time, I also started tutoring math in our math lab on campus. So I was helping other students who had non-math or non-engineering majors or non-STEM majors, I, I should say, who just needed, you know, to take this one math class for their for their um, major. And I fell in love with tutoring. It was just something about getting that light bulb to go off for folks and something about them just being so excited about understanding something that they may have previously not understood for a very long time just helping them get to that level of understanding. So it's been 15 plus years. And no matter what I was doing in my full-time career, I've worked in nonprofits, I've had my own business, I've consulted, et cetera. I was always tutoring. Tutoring has always been my side hustle. About four years ago, I started tutoring at a local uh, nonprofit here in Detroit where I'm, where I was born and raised uh, called the Downtown Boxing Gym. We serve about 150 students and our students come from all over the city of Detroit as well as the outskirts. And they're in all different grades uh, between the ages of eight and 18. And they hired me specifically because they were having trouble finding someone to work with the older kids. And when I say older kids, like the middle and high school children. Mm-hmm. So. One of the things I noticed very quickly when I started working with with the older children specifically was that when they would come to me and say, oh, Miss Brittany, I need help with my geometry. I need help with my algebra. And we would start doing the work. It really wasn't the geometry or algebra that they were struggling with. It was basic mathematics. Mm-hmm. So it was the fractions. It was the decimals. It was the negative numbers. All of these things that, if not mastered, make everything else feel that much harder. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I really was sitting with that because I was having, you know, I was effective in what I, I've been. I've, I've been effective in what I do, and I love what I do in terms of my tutoring. But you know, you can't be a, a, a tutor for. That can't be like your life career. Like you can't be a full time <laughs> tutor. I mean, I, I guess unless you're like tutoring like somebody famous as a child, maybe you could. <laughs> right. For me, I'm like, okay, I know this is not something I can do full time, but like, how can I maximize the impact I'm having on my students here in Detroit across the nation? I know it's not just my kids in Detroit who are struggling with math. I've had friends call me from college. Can you help my niece with this problem? So I know it's not just my students. So I was kind of mulling over that. And a couple years before that, when I met who is now my husband, he had about four subscription boxes that he was subscribed to. He had the food recipe boxes and he had the clothes boxes and he had all these different boxes coming to his house. And I was intrigued by the model. I just thought it was really neat that you could get these experiences and these these conveniences like shipped directly to your doorstep. So 
about two years ago. So this was these these things have been stirring, you know, within the last uh, five years, five to six years. I I was looking at STEM subscription boxes because I was still intrigued by this model. I had tried to do a different subscription box. Uh, I'm 5'10", and I wanted to do one for tall women, um, for clothes, because it's... I'm 5'9", here. <laughs> you understand the struggle. Yes, I do. So that one did not pan out. I, I had that idea that I worked on a few years ago. So if anybody listening would be interested in that idea, I still think it's a good one. So definitely explore <laughs> that, because I don't think anyone's doing that um, for tall women specifically. But I had all the knowledge that I had gained from exploring what a subscription box could look like. So I was looking at STEM subscription boxes because, you know, they're all the rage. And I was like, okay, we got we got the coding boxes and we got the engineering boxes. Right. And, you know, we got all these science boxes. Mm-hmm. We got these engineering boxes. Yep. The acronym is STEM. Where are the math boxes? <laughs> And obviously I'm biased because I have a bachelor's degree in math, but also because math is the foundation of STEM. And you know this, Matt, you can't do anything STEM related. I don't care what you want to major in, IT, biology, physics, biochemistry, industrial engineering. You cannot do any of those and succeed without having a strong math foundation. And I'm not talking about differential equations or Cal 3. (laughs) I am talking about basic math. Yes, yes. Basic math is the foundation of all of that. And I said, if we do not get our students to be more enthusiastic about math and to know that they have what it takes to do well in math, we are going to continue to leave money on the table. Mm-hmm. We just have no, that's just what it is. Money so, and opportunity. So Magic was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also add my mother, so I also, I also got my MBA, my master's in business administration from Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. And when I graduated, uh, actually this year was my 10 year, 10 year reunion. When I graduated, my mom said, okay, you have a, 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 you have an MBA. Now where's our business? And I'm like, ma, everybody who goes to business school does not start a business, but she had planted the seed. So mm-hmm. I literally have taken my two degrees, my degree in math, my degree in business, and I have started a business helping kids build their math confidence. Wow, that's, that (laughs) is, that's amazing. Um, And you're absolutely right um, about math. So um, I don't know if you read my story, but I taught math. Well, I always loved math, but taught math for three years, taught math in high school for three years. So geometry just happens to be my favorite subject. Um, I'm an algebra girl myself. Well, I get, I mean, algebra makes sense to me too, but I think it's sort of like the shapes and the, I think there's just fun stuff to do in geometry that makes, or at least for me, it's just like, yes, let's, let's, let's talk about the circumference of a circle. I can, I can go there. Um, so, um, so totally, totally understand it. And the desire to, um, help our students understand math is just, it's so fundamental. And I think it's the piece that a lot of people overlook because I think right now tech is hot. So that's what people are talking about. And science has always been, you know, the thing. Um, yeah. And so, and then for a while, if you were talking about STEM, you were talking about science. Yeah. And and it was always like, okay, but, you know, math is the basis for all of it. 
Um, and I feel like engineering is sort of the the one that sort of stirs, brings it all together. For sure. Um, and so you have to have those those foundational pieces of math. I mean, fractions and decimals and being able to solve simple algebraic equations are all are all necessary. So um, and so I, I, I hear um, from what you said that your mom has been a huge influence. Um, mm-hmm. So and, and your husband, too. But also. So how did it get to be? a subscription box for black girls in yeah. math. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll dig into this a little bit more. So I won't I won't get too far off 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 of your question. So the box is actually I, I designed it for all girls um because there is a lot of value in children who are not black seeing the experiences and understanding positive and learning about positive experiences about people of, of especially black folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but the focus in terms of the imagery and of course the title of the business, right? Black girl magic. There's a focus on black girls because I had this overwhelming desire to center black girls and their own mathematical experiences. I wanted them to, I wanted it to be very clear. I don't want it to be any room for misinterpretation or any room for, well, is this really for me? I wanted Black girls specifically to know that they have what it takes to be math stars because one of the first things that I did when I had this idea wasn't enough for me to be, you know, to kind of be tooting my own horn, like, oh, this is a great idea. And I'm in this vacuum, like telling myself this. So I started talking to people. I called up some friends and former classmates who have girls in the age range or grade range that I focus on, which is third to eighth grade math. Um, And I was like, hey, if this thing existed or or would you be interested in a product like this? What do you struggle with? I talked to their daughters. What do you struggle with when it comes to math? And then I started reading academic journals written by doctors like you, uh, academic journals, uh, white papers, articles, PDFs, whatever I could get my hands on. Um, And I don't think I knew before this um, how prevalent and pervasive math anxiety is, uh, Mm. especially in the United States. Yes. I found a stat from ed.gov that said 93% of American adults experience some level of math anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I started to dig into that a little bit more. And of course, being a black woman, I started reading about the experiences of girls. And I learned that it wasn't necessarily an ability gap, right, between girls and boys. It's more of it's more a confidence gap than anything. Correct. The data that I've read from different sources continuously says that. Boys and girls perform about the same, and I'm speaking primarily from from an from the American um, data I've read because that's where my, I, I only ship in the United States. Right. Um, but black and excuse me, girls and boys tend to do the same mathematically. But if you ask them, a girl will more likely than not, and you know this, rate <laughs> her her math ability lower than a boy would. Correct. And when we have confidence issues, if, if I'm not confident in something, I'm not going to engage with it. I'm I'm much less likely to engage with it if I feel like I'm not going to do well in it. Like, why am I going to torture myself? You know, that's the mindset that our girls are having. So I was reading about that and understanding more about the confidence gap. And then, of course, I, I had to I had to read about the racial gap because it exists. Right. And yeah. when I saw that, you know, the, the gap between white children and black and brown children that was even more glaring. And of course, 
the the magic word, the word that everyone is using now, intersectionality, when you put those two together, black and brown girls are literally getting the shortest end of the stick when it comes to mathematics education in the United States. And as a black woman who has worked with primarily black children and black girls, that's the audience I sought to serve. One of the one of the hallmark tips when you're starting a subscription box business is to niche down and then niche down again. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to get really specific with who I was serving, not, of course, not at the exclusion of others, but so that black girls could feel more included in the conversation about who is good at math and who deserves to access mathematical experiences, high quality mathematical experiences. I decided on a subscription box model um, for a couple reasons. Number one, I'm just fascinated with the model. You know, I mean, we've been getting people, we've been, we've been getting magazine subscriptions and what was a um, Columbia House that used to send the like CDs. Do you yes. remember that? Yes. <laughs> Our, I, the younger I, listeners are going to be like, Grandma, what, what are, are they talking about? I know. What are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, subscriptions are not a new thing in and of themselves. Things being mailed to your house or Netflix or whatever the case. Uh, but these this, these boxes, putting these experiences in the box are, are, are relatively new. Um, so I was fascinated by the model, but also... You know, when we talk about building confidence and we talk about math and and the trauma that a lot of our children already have when it comes Mm -hmm. to math and um, exposure, that can't just be a one time thing. No, you got to have constant exposure, constant affirmation, constant representation. Otherwise, you know, you might get that boost where one day you have a student who's super excited. But if they don't keep that, it's just like working out or eating right or whatever it is you want to do. You got to keep doing it. The consistency is is the the magic is in the consistency. So I was like, they got to have this experience every month. I will. I I am going to show them every single month because I know you've heard this just as much as me, probably more than me. But when am I going to use this? Mm-hmm. When is, I don't need math to do X, Y, Z. Actually, you do. And I'm going to show you every single month how you're going to use math in the real world. But also, I'm going to show you some people who look like you, who have math degrees, who are doing amazing things in a variety of careers. And I'm also going to affirm you with math affirmations. I'm going to give you items that you're into that will help you help bring these things to life and help you really see how these things exist in your real world. So that's really the hallmark of it. It was really from reading, doing all that research and and being intentional about curating an experience that addressed the phenomena, many of the phenomena that contribute to low math confidence and high math anxiety, especially in black children and especially in girls. Let me tell you, I I can't even, my girl is 18 and I want to sign up for this box. (laughs) (laughs) I've had adults ask, like, can I get one? And I'm like, sure. (laughs) I want this box for me. (laughs) Um, But you have said so much um, here that is so on point. Um, especially when we talk about math anxiety. So I, I know you don't know this, but um, my dissertation was about um, gifted girls' experiences in math and science classes. Ooh. Because I, when I taught, um, when I taught math, I taught my last year. I taught gifted students, mm-hmm. and I had this one class where I had 
I think I had maybe 17 students in it. And out of 17, there were 13 girls. So I had four, four boys, 13 girls. Wow. And the boys were, I mean, well, I'll say this. The girls were blowing the socks off these boys. But, <laughs> but they their level of confidence, like the boys would come in and they'd be like, oh, I got this, I got this, I get this. And then when I, you know, I reveal who got the highest test, the highest score on the test, it was a girl. And they'd be like, And, oh, and everyone is surprised. Right. And Not like, just the boys. The girls are like, me too? I did? Right. Really? And I'm like, girl, you're in a gifted class. You're. You know, like you're just as smart or smarter than this this boy sitting next to you. It's like so I couldn't there was this disconnect that Absolutely. was that was happening between ability and perception of ability. Oh, there you go. And and so I was like, I was just was so curious as to why that was happening. So that's what my dissertation was around, just figuring figuring that out. And what came this one of the things that came back was that of course their peer groups were a big part of it. Their parent to parental um, surroundings were another big part of it. Those adults. <laughs> because you know the the thing about girls and you kind you kind of alluded to it, it when you were talking earlier is that what our parents believe and not just about about us but what they believe about themselves yep. it, there's there's the carryover effect where so if my mother believes that she's not good in math what makes me think that I'm going to be yeah, exactly. So, exactly. and girls adopt that more than boys do. So, yeah. so I'm always really careful about the things that I say um, surrounding my kids' abilities or my ability, my abilities, because I don't want them to take on something that's not theirs, you know, yeah. at all. So, um, you know, it's like I don't know if parents are, I don't know if parents are aware that that is happening, but I, it was one of the big factors for these girls. So I heard several, well, my mother's not good in math. She could yeah. never help me. And it was always a problem. And I just, you know, so it's like, wow, that's, that's amazing that you have taken on this posture of sort of bring, you're here, but you're bringing yourself to an, a level that you feel is appropriate for your environment. Yep. yep. So, um, so I'm in love with these boxes. I'm in love with the messaging behind them. Um, I think we need more of them. I know there's only you, but at this moment, there's such a, um, there, it's, it's magic. It really, it really is magic what you're doing um, and that you are taking such care with what you what you put into the box and making math relevant to what is happening to girls um in their you know in their environment so like mm -hmm. here's a here's a person who is using math in her daily life and here's how it's relevant to your life and then here's some i love love thank love. you doctor thank you and i and to, <laughs> i wanted to address one point you made about the adults because that's huge and you probably saw this study uh, that i think it came out last year or the year before um where they saw that girls absorbed messages from female adults whether that was mom or teacher about mm -hmm. math anxiety they internalized that message and boys yes. it just kind of rolled off their backs like <laughs> yeah it was it was fascinating um and like you said you're just really trying to understand like what are the what are the mechanisms like from a scientific standpoint like what are the mechanisms that are happening 
um, that are allowing this. And so that's why in each box I include a caring adult guide. And it's just a it's a postcard. So I'm not trying to have them, you know, reading a book. But I do want to offer some tips and some tricks and some some basically some relief for them so that they don't feel pressured, you know, to create this math experience for their girl. My, I, I take it as my responsibility to help na- help them navigate through that experience, understanding that so many women, especially, have brought their own childhood math anxiety into adulthood, as you mentioned. Yes. And that's a see, and that's a real thing that I think has gone unaddressed. Um, and, and it permeates it. At different levels of people's of of your child's schooling, so it's it's the reason why why parents don't show up for PTA meetings. It's so it's sort of there's this whole thing that happens. Yeah, if, if a kid has had or a parent has had a bad experience in any way at school. Yep. So. Yep. So. Um, Wow, it's wow. I feel like we could talk forever. Um, I'm but, sure we could. <laughs> I feel like okay. So let's let's stay on point. But so so tell me if if you don't mind, tell me how being a minority woman uh, in STEM has impacted your life. You know, it's so funny. Um, so I remember when I was in college. Anytime, almost anytime, I'm sure there were some outliers, but most of the time when you tell people that you're a science or math major, it it makes it either makes you more cool to that person or it makes you intimidating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. Oh. There's no in between at all. Right, no, it's like, oh, it's either like, oh, or like, oh, you know, so you, <laughs> you get these different reactions from folks. Um, the biggest so that that was one thing I noticed just a lot over the, of the over the course of the four years that I was working on my degree. And even after I graduated, oh, you majored in math? You must be smart. And, you know, it's, it's flattering, but at the same time, for those of us who are disturbed by how math is viewed in this country, it's like, dang, why does it have to be that? Like, what if I was an English major? Would you think I wasn't smart? You know, like, it's just right. these interesting dynamics around, again, especially around math. Um, Math anxiety is very unique. I, I've Googled reading anxiety, geography anxiety, social studies anxiety. Those things don't exist. Correct. Math anxiety is an actual, you know, global phenomenon. So it's, it's been very interesting being a black woman who has a math degree and the, the reactions I get from people. I think, but for me, in terms of the biggest impact on my life is honestly my tutoring work. Um, my husband calls me a bonus teacher uh, and, a, and a coach. And I, I have actually started calling myself a math coach within the last few years because it's it's so much more than tutoring. It really yeah. is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so much more than homework help. I am having pep talks with these kids. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm talking them off the ledge. Um, we're having mindset talks. We One time, one of my students burst into tears in the middle of the session because she had some adults telling her that, she was slow at math and that she would never get into a high school that she wanted to attend. Um, it's something very special that I don't take lightly at all that I can be a role model for my students. Like I said, most of my students are black and they don't always have black women teaching them mathematics or teaching them the sciences. And again, like we mentioned, we talked about earlier, that representation, you can't be what you can't see. So in a lot of cases, I am that representation for my students. I am showing them that you can be a black woman. You can be, 
young-ish. <laughs> you can be kind of hip, you know, and you can enjoy math. And you, and, I can, and you can get and you can help other people enjoy math as well. So that has that has been and, and tutoring is so is so um, personally fulfilling for me. It feels is very much my purpose. Um, like I said, my mother's a retired principal. So teaching is kind of in my DNA already. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not interested in classroom teaching, though. A lot of my friends were like, you're going to be a teacher like your mom. I love one on one. I love being able to really understand the students unique likes, dislikes, uh, unique issues with math. And I love to help them turn on that proverbial light bulb. And to be able to do that and be a Black woman, I think that that is just kind of like the icing on the cake. I I have to uh, agree with you. There's, there is something um, really special about um, sitting before someone one-on-one and having, you know, it, it becomes, it's just special. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. special. Um, so one last question. Um, and I again I really want to thank you for taking the time to be on with me. This has been a fabulous conversation. Thank you um, for having me. <clears throat> oh, sure. I, like I said, I feel like there's gonna be a part two, so just just <laughs> wait <ready>. for it. <laughs> um, so if you could revisit your younger self, what advice would you give her and why? I'm going to try, you know, we like us, us math and science enthusiasts, we like things in threes. So I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to do this in threes. Um, The first one would definitely be, the first thing I would tell her is to be more outspoken. Um, I am an only child. I'm a mother's only child. um, And I grew up very much a people pleaser. I wanted to fit in. I wanted people to like me. I didn't want to stir the pot. And a lot of that was to my own detriment um, because I was stifling, you know, what I wanted to say or how I felt at the ex- at the expense of myself, you know, to make others happy. And that, you know, that didn't turn out well for me on many occasions. And it was only until I got to be in my 20s, like when I went to grad school, where I really started to intentionally work on that. Um, and so that's definitely something I would tell my younger self is to be more outspoken, be more be more straightforward. Um, and don't be afraid, you know, just don't be afraid, be fearless. The second thing, which is kind of a segue from the first thing is to be more confident. Um, my mother, if she was, if she was listening to this conversation right now, I can actually see her nodding in my head. She worked tirelessly on my self-esteem as a kid. Um, but as I mentioned, I'm 5'10". I had my growth spurt in sixth grade. I went from 4'11 to 5'7", almost overnight, it felt like. And you know that's that's not the cutest thing when you're taller than all the boys. Taller than everybody, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And I was extremely thin, and you know I didn't have any type of shape back then. Like it was a lot happening. And then I was super smart, so I would get teased, you know, for doing well in school. Um, and so there was a lot of I had a lot of confidence issues, and I think that is also another reason why. I position Black Girl Magic as a math confidence box because when you start building confidence in one area, it it's, it has a, a beautiful ripple effect. You start feeling confident in math, you might start feeling confident in something totally different, you know, in your ability. So that's another thing that I would tell myself. And then the third thing, and I talk about my mom a lot because we are extremely close and she helps me so much with my business being um, a retired educator, is she gave me the book, The Four Agreements, when I was 20 years old. 
it took me five years to actually read it. You know, she mm-hmm. gave it to me and I've always loved reading. Always in for any children listening, you can love reading and math. You do not have to pick. I did not. I love books. Uh, in fact, I include books in my boxes some months. Um, but she gave me the four agreements when I was 20. And for whatever reason, I don't even know what I was doing. You know, I just didn't read it until I was 25. And it really changed my life. Um, so I would recommend that book for, I don't really, I don't really think, I don't think you're too young, you're ever too young to read that book, honestly. Have you read it? I have. Yeah, it's an amazing book. So that would be the other thing I would tell myself, my younger self, is to read the four agreements when when your mom gave it to you, not <laughs> five years later. <laughs> but you know, you read it when you needed it. That's true. So I think about that too. I'm like, okay, this was obviously the, the divine timing in which I was supposed to read it. But I also wonder, what if I had read it when she gave it to me? <laughs> You know, you, you but you read it when you needed to read it and mm-hmm. it made and it had the impact it was supposed to have. So absolutely. Yeah. OK, so that is great advice. Um, it's a lot. Um, so because girls need to believe in themselves, have the confidence mm-hmm. Um sort of be fearless in their pursuit of whatever their interests are. Um, And, um, and then there's this, there's this concept that some people um, talk about. I'm seeing it more and more lately um, that, you know, the whole fake it till you make it thing um, as a way to sort of gain confidence. Um, And, I I more subscribe to um, do it anyway. Like I might be afraid of this. I might take a, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Might be a mm-hmm. little, you know, might not have the confidence, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Um. So and own that piece because um, you just never know what, what may come out of it. Um, and then read the, um, read the book. Read the book. So I love this advice. Is there, So can you tell us where to find you? Absolutely. So I am on Facebook and Instagram, um, Black Girl Math Jig, and I'll spell Math Jig out. I'm sure it'll be written as well. M A T H G I C. I'm also on Twitter, but I couldn't fit all of those letters into my Twitter handle. <laughs> so it is <laughs> B L K Girl Math Jig. And I also, all of my links are there. So I'm actually in the process of it's going back to your point about just getting started. My website was not ready when I launched, although I sell on, um, I sell my boxes on basically like an, an, an Etsy for subscription boxes, like a marketplace. Mm-hmm. But I have all of my links on all three of those social media platforms. So if you go on Facebook, Twitter, or, or Instagram, you'll be able to access all of my links. Okay, and I will have all of your the links to all of your social media um, in the description for the episode. So um, I hope that you get a whole bunch of 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 folks that would subscribe to your boxes, whether they're adult or children or adult for children. Um, And people do ask me. 
do they have to have a subscription? And the answer is no. You can order a one-time box. I have a lot of people, you know, grandma buys one for her granddaughter or auntie buys one for her niece. It's somebody's birthday. You can buy a one-time box as well. The subscription is not required, although, of course, I recommend it, you know, for exposure and and building that confidence. But it's it's it's, not a a requirement. It's a great gift for, for a girl. I mean, it just, it just is, um, whether they are um, a minority girl or not, it's a great gift. Right. And we do have subscribers who do not identify as Black, and they enjoy these experiences just as much as as children who do. And I also add, because I, I hear the boy moms, the boy moms have been asking me, a boy box will be coming very soon. Awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm working on the fall. I know boys struggle as well. But the girls, we had to get them first because they were struggling just a little bit more. But the boy box is coming. Gotcha. So we will we will be waiting for that. Um, yeah. For so for my boy moms out there who are listeners, um, we didn't. She didn't forget about you. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> They've been on my head. <laughs> Awesome. So um, again, I'm glad that you agreed to come on with me today. I, we've had a wonderful conversation. And to my audience, um, I will see you next week. <laughs> All right. Hi, everybody. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. Second, There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So... Download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Stimming in Stilettos. I sincerely hope that you learned something new from our guest today. Remember that you can listen to Stimming in Stilettos anywhere podcasts are found. You can follow us on Facebook at Stimming in Stilettos. You can find Dr. Tasha on Facebook and Twitter at Dr. Tasha 11, Instagram at Dr. Tasha. So until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stimming in Stilettos. Please check out the show notes to get additional information about today's guest or today's topic. You can find the podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find additional information about Dr. Tasha at www.drtasha.com. Thanks again, and don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for the latest episode of Stimming in Stilettos.